Huckabee, the battle for gender identity in Congress. Hollywood and Nashville stars shine bright and celebrate the Dukes of Hazard. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbrick. And now, here. Thank you, and very much are we happy to have you here. By the way, Ed Sullivan, if he were to hear, be here tonight, he would tell you we're going to have a really big shoe. We are. <laughs> we got the Dukes of Hazard here tonight. That is going to be fun. What a thrill to have him. You know, so many years of great entertainment, wholesome American fun, and for our studio audience, this is why you need to come to Nashville and come to our show, the General Lee is out front of the theater tonight, and all these folks had a chance to not just look at it, but they were each given an opportunity to take it and drive it around Hendersonville, where we do the show. <laughs> I don't know why they're laughing, because they know they got to do that. All right, while many Americans are gonna be enjoying a long weekend of picnics and barbecues, beaches, pools, and lakes, and music festivals, let's not forget that Memorial Day weekend is really not just a time to kick off the summer and indulge ourselves in food and frolic. It's a time to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives to provide for us the unprecedented freedom that we so often take for granted as Americans. No people in the history of the world have experienced the liberties and opportunities or the prosperities that we have enjoyed as citizens of the greatest country on God's green earth, the United States of America. And I don't just say that as a biased American, but as one who can scour the pages of human history and say definitively that no nation has ever given its inhabitants the degree of freedom, security, and pursuit of happiness, as has this extraordinary experiment in government called the United States. Our Constitution is a simple yet profound blueprint for a government in which the ultimate power rests with the people, not with a king, not with a tyrant dictator, not with a military general or even an elected official. The genius of our nation is that the people have been vested with the highest power. And while we temporarily grant it to those we elect, we don't give it away. This great system of self-government with its separation of powers, balance of powers, and accountability to its people has been, and it continues to be protected against both foreign and domestic powers by those who trade their clothes of choice for a uniform and who trade their personal liberties to accept orders from someone who outranks them. And in the process of providing that protection, hundreds of thousands of those in our military have willingly given their lives for those of us who are going to enjoy this long weekend. No American ought to take this for granted or ignore it. And it shouldn't be left to the Gold Star families alone to take a pause for a somber reminder of the price of our benefits of citizenship. We all owe it to them to show some respect in just some way for those whose death give us our lives. And for me personally, well, this weekend marks another occasion worth mentioning. May 25th marks 45 years of marriage to my wife, Janet, mother of our three children. She is Yaya to our six grandchildren and a pretty amazing woman who's endured virtual poverty with me in our early days, battled cancer in her spine some 44 years ago that doctors predicted would take her life. And when she fought and won that battle, then she was told that the surgery and radiation would render her unable to have children. And while she lost one, she gave birth to three. She dropped out of college to work as a dental assistant to help me finish and then went with me on a 45-year journey of a career in broadcasting and advertising, then almost 12 years as a pastor, 
and then the past few decades in the tumultuous and vicious world of politics and government. In her 40s, she went back to college and finished her degree. She's endured some of the most vile and hate-filled criticism, not just directed at her husband, but at her and even her children. She chose to be a stay-at-home mom when our kids were small, which meant less money, but more memories. And when her beloved mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, she walked that road with her mother right up until the end. 45 years is a long time to put up with me, so for that, she's a saint. And I'm proud to have shared life and love with her. One of her favorite songs is Kenny Rogers' classic, Through the Years. And now that there's been 45 of them, she's entitled to say that she has endured through the years. So I say happy anniversary, Janet. I love you. And I hope we have a few more left. The House recently passed H.R. 5, the Equality Act. It turns birth gender into discrimination and elevates personal sexual choice and gender identity to a superior status. Critics say if it passes the Senate and becomes law, it'll actually destroy religious freedom and women's rights. To explain this, we welcome the chairman of the nonprofit legal organization, Liberty Council, Matt Staver. Matt, what's wrong with this wonderful Equality Act? That sounds so harmless and useful. It elevates LGBT to the same protected category as race in a number of federal laws. It also federalizes as a national right abortion and requires abortion funding of taxpayers and others. And it destroys religious liberty in the process. So that means if, if I were pastor of a church and I wanted to hire a music director, um, I would have to consider someone who was openly either gay or transgender or bisexual, and I couldn't use that as a basis of saying, no, that, that doesn't meet our biblical doctrinal standards. For example, houses of worship since the 1964 Civil Rights Act have been able to make hiring decisions based upon religion. Catholics can hire Catholics, Baptists, Baptists. Jewish synagogues can hire Jews. But under this particular law, in addition to not allowing you to make decisions based upon your beliefs and the Bible relating to LGBT, you cannot even choose someone who is consistent with your religion. So it literally puts LGBT and abortion on steroids and crushes religious freedom in the process. You know, Matt, it's, 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 uh, it's akin to the idea that if you're biologically a male, that you're supposed to be able to go into a women's locker room and shower, and those ladies who are in there can't say anything about it, uh, no matter how it might violate their privacy and modesty, because it would be an infringement upon the right of the man who is identifying as a woman, even though he is fully biologically male. If you took your children, for example, on an overnight stay somewhere for some sporting, athletic, or mission program, and you stayed at a hotel, you would not be able to prohibit the boy from wanting to sleep with the girls in the girls' room because that boy says, I identify as a female. Women's rights, all that women fought for and the rights that they've obtained would be obliterated. Religious freedom would be in the crosshairs. Abortion also is included because they have interpreted abortion to be part of sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity in this proposed law. So abortion would become a federally protected right and funding would be required. Health care providers would be required to participate in abortions, including religiously affiliated hospitals, churches, and colleges that violated this law could lose their taxism status, and colleges would lose their accreditation, which would be devastating. The fact that it passed the House is a little bit disturbing. Who's behind this? Who thinks this is a great idea? Well, obviously, all 236 Democrats in the Democratic-controlled House. So here's what we believe can happen. One, this bill could be killed in the committees. It is assigned now to the Judiciary Committee under the leadership of Senator Lindsey Graham. He can choose not to bring that up. I don't think he has any interest in bringing it up. If it does move through the committees, then the President of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, 
can refuse to bring it up for a vote. But if it does come up for a vote, then we need to filibuster it, and they'll need 60 votes to overcome the filibuster, and I believe we can stop it there. But if they overcome the filibuster, we are already just a few votes away from a 51% majority in the Senate for this outrageous bill. I appreciate the explanation. I think people need to know about it. They need to contact their senators, their, uh, their representative, contact the White House and say, please keep your eye on this. Don't let it happen. Absolutely. My thanks to Matt Staver. And if you want to know more about Liberty Council and its defense of religious freedom and parental rights, and if you want to learn more about this bill, that you will not see in most media outlets, then visit Liberty Council online at lc.org. That's lc.org. Now, Keith is going to exercise his freedom and tell us what's coming up right after our break. Well, coming up, Rascal Flats, Jay DeMarcus. Then, Hux hero, Brady Fasola. Later, the funniest man in America, comedian James Gregory joins us. Not to mention Wink Martindale and a Dukes of Hazard reunion right here on Huckabee. And welcome back. My next guest is one-third of the country music's wonderful band called Rascal Flats that you know well. But in his brand-new memoir, and it's called Shotgun Angels, My Story of Broken Roads and Unshakable Hope, he reveals the tough road that he traveled to reach success. Would you please welcome Mr. Jay DeMarcus. Jay, thanks for being Thank here. You. Thank you. I think a lot of people are going to read your book, and they're going to be very surprised that you were not an overnight success. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, Rascal Flats, boy, they, you know, they're just amazing. Yeah. Hadn't been that easy, has it? No, it's really tough to make it in the music business. I don't know if that's new news to anyone or not, but it's extremely tough. And, you know, I thought that I was doing so well. I got a record deal right out of college in a Christian band called East to West. Kind of screwed some things up with that. Lost that record deal really quickly and didn't know what I was going to do. And I found myself in a really dark place in my life that I had to dig really deep to even figure out if I believed everything that I had gone to church believing all of those years as a kid. My mom was the kind of mom that would drag us off three and four times a week to church. It seemed a little excessive at the time. But what I didn't realize is that she was planting very deep seeds in me that would take strong root later on in life. And when I found myself not knowing where to turn or what to do living here in Nashville and starving, living hand to mouth, uh, I had to dig really deep and figure out that I did believe that there was a God. I did believe that there was a higher purpose for what I was doing and to stay the course, to keep getting back up, dusting myself off, facing another day, another week, another month. One of the things, and I hope it's not an overly sensitive thing, but you put it in your book, so I guess it's fair game. <laughs> it's out there. Uh, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> but it was a very poignant story of a former uh, girlfriend mm -hmm. with whom you had a less than delightful breakup. Yeah. And you told that story with such honesty. And I thought, Thank wow, you. not many people could be that vulnerable. And I thought it was powerful because you shared and bared part of your soul in telling that. Was it hard to get that honest with the readers and to put that down and, and tell those stories? A lot of times we see our favorite actors and entertainers and musicians Anybody that we look up to that's doing well, you see the culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of crap that they've been through yeah. to get to that point. And I've always said this, and one of the main things that I try to drive home, I've been a believer my whole life, and it doesn't mean that I haven't made mistakes. It doesn't mean that I don't continue to make mistakes. What it means to be a believer for me is that we recognize that we're all fallen, flawed human beings that need help. Mm. Well, one of the things I thought was so powerful, even about including that story, it was like that was the end of your world. Yeah. And then the next chapter comes, you meet this wonderful woman who becomes your wife yeah. now and two lovely daughters. And so, yeah, that was a painful period, but it opened the door to something far more wonderful than what you uh, had, had thought was, that's it. Nothing left of, of Jay DeMarcus. That's right. And if someone would have told me when I lost my first record deal and didn't know where I was going and wanted to move back home, that Rascal Flats was in my future and that I would be blessed the way I've been blessed throughout my life and career up to this point, I would have laughed. But that's the point of finding the hope 
finding the determination and the tenacity to keep moving forward and to keep going. Jay, for the people who don't know, where did the name Rascal Flats come <laughs> from? Well, we uh, had a record deal. We were getting ready to release our first single and had no name for the band. And there was an old fellow that used to come in to see us play around town named Jelly Roll. And he would sit at the end of the bar every night we would play. And one particular night, we kept announcing from the stage, if anybody has any ideas for names, please let us know because we're stuck. We're putting the first single out, we don't have a name. So Jelly Roll walks up to me and he goes, hey, uh, I had a band back in the late 60s and we played garage uh, music and some dances and whatnot. And we called ourselves Rascal Flats. And by God, you boys look like Rascal Flats to me. And you can have that name. <laughs> And honestly, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. We still don't know what it means. Uh, no idea what it means. I thought you were going to tell me that your first band name was Jelly Roll, and yeah. you decided that wasn't working out, so you went to Rascal Flats. Jay, yeah. I love the book. It Thank is you. powerful. If people are hurting, this is a great book for them to find hope, and everybody needs Thank hope. Uh, I got one favor. Yes. You got to bring the rest of the band back, and you guys need to play on our show. I'll do it. All right. You got it. I would love I've to. Got, I've got you on yeah. record. On record here, the book is called Shotgun Angels. It is available everywhere. And you can follow Jay on Twitter, Jay DeMarcus. You can keep up with the band at rascalflats.com. And I hope you will, because it is a phenomenal book and really an encouragement. Well, our next guest started a wilderness survival school back in 2011. And since then, his skills have led to serving veterans using hiking, hunting, and fishing as healing tools, which is why this gentleman is our Huck's hero. To serve in the military really is serving a purpose greater than yourself. Well, you do that long enough, you get out of the military, and the next day you're sitting there like, okay, what now? And then after a while, you start to kind of fade in the background, and, and you're really not doing anything that you feel is, is worth. When Brady Pusola left the Marines, he launched Triple B Adventures in San Diego and started inviting veterans to go camping. So we like coming up here a lot, uh, being amongst the pine trees, being amongst the fresh air, being around the campfire or out on a hunt or a fishing trip, sitting on a boat somewhere, really does a lot. It really raises your morale. You feel like you're a part of a group again, uh, of friends that really truly do have your best interests at heart. I felt lonely myself. I felt isolated myself. I can be my goofy self around and without judgment. There is a camaraderie um, that is shared amongst military. You know, here at the campouts, I mean, you have people that don't know each other that immediately bond because you know that that person has your back. Each veteran knows Brady's phone is always on and that he's ready to listen 24 hours a day. You know, these are people that I know if I had a bad day, I can call and be like, hey man, what's up? You wanna, you wanna go grab uh, some lunch? You wanna go talk? You wanna grab some coffee? What do you wanna do? How can I help you out? And we need to get out more and force ourselves to go out and be with a group of veterans and feel um, that love, feel that camaraderie, feel that uh, fellowship that, that we used to have. Brady Pusola is helping military veterans deal with isolation and loneliness by reminding them that they belong to a special band of brothers. There was a time I was sitting on, on a rock with a veteran who took a big sigh, you know. I'm like, you all right, man? And he's like, I'm out in the woods eating a PB&J on a rock in the pine trees. I'm not getting shot at. This is pretty fun. My name is Brady Pasola, and my mission is to help veterans. Please welcome the founder of Triple B Adventures, Brady Pasola. Brady, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. And uh, we're happy to honor you as our Huck's hero because of what you're doing to help veterans find their way back to themselves after uh, combat and difficulty. What made you think these guys could use a good camping trip? It's sort of like... Boy Scouts for real grown men or something like that, where they go out in the woods and they hike and they hunt and they, they camp. Where'd that come from? You know, I like to be out the woods myself and that's where I find my peace and, and my fellowship with nature and, and, and God and things. And so um, when I started bringing veterans out, 
there were guys that would hit me up and say, hey, you know, I could use a couple extra dollars and I'd have them come out and assist me and earn money that way just by being in the woods. And oftentimes they would just love being out there just to be away out from the rat race and out in the mountains and in the pine trees. So we called it pine tree therapy. And it is, I think it's the same for everybody. And so I got together with a other group of veterans who liked the outdoors as well. And we kind of came up with Triple B Adventures together. And that's how it was kind of was born. When these veterans are out there, Tell me the kind of things that happen inside of them. You know, the biggest part is that fellowship between the fellow veterans. Uh, oftentimes, we suffer from isolation and loneliness. When we get out, you know, all our friends go separate areas of the country after our, we get out of the military, and we don't ever see them again. And so we sit in our house kind of isolated or lonely. We go to college and realize that the people around us aren't exactly the people who would take a bullet for us the way our friends mm. would. And that's, mm. I think, one of the more painful uh, realizations is that the people around you aren't gonna have your back the way your brothers and sisters did when you served. And so to be out in the woods and in nature, to be able to say the things that are on your chest, on your mind, and in your heart with other veterans that can understand you, that can hear you say the things that you say and go, hey man, I've been down that path. Let me help you out. Let me take you by the hand and show you how I got down my path that you're, you're traveling down. We have a group of diverse veterans that can help each other out, both male and female, combat, non-combat, wounded, non-wounded, that they can provide experience to each other and say, hey, I've been down your road, how can I help you? If 10 years you come back and we talk about Triple B Adventures on the show, what do you hope to be able to tell me? I hope to see chapters in every state. Mm -hmm. And I have veterans that hit me up all the time and say, hey, I would love to do this in my state, in Texas and Colorado, more of the freer states than yeah. the one I currently reside. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that's what I would like to see. I would like to see where veterans, and not just any veteran, I want veterans that are down on their luck, um, that are really down in the deep end, that I can say, I want you to start a chapter. I want you to network and create a group of veterans that you can get together out in the woods with you and take them out and give them therapy that you need as well. Brady, it's a beautiful thing that you're doing and I appreciate it. We're honored to have you here tonight, Brady Pasola. And if you'd like to learn more about Triple B Adventures and maybe find out how you can help Brady serve our veterans, go to tba.vet. That's tba.vet. It's also there on your screen. We're gonna ask Keith Bilbrey about maybe sharing some skills and promoting our show, see if he can throw something at us. Well, I'll try. Up next, unbelievable news stories and comedian James Gregory joins us. Later, Wink and Sandy Martindale are here and then it's Tom Wopat, Catherine Bach, and Ben Jones here for a Dukes of Hazard reunion. All on Huckabee. And we are back now from a woman who likes to horse around to kissing cows for a cause. We've got the animal news that'll make you say, you've got to be kitten me. <laughs> yes, it is on a segment that we call In Case You Missed It. Now, while many feel that kissing is divine, in Austria, the tourism minister is warning that getting intimate with a cow is at best bovine. <laughs> Elizabeth Kotzinger is the tourism minister who is quite upset over a Swiss app called Castle, and it's challenging people to kiss a cow for a good cause. I guess you would call it a dairy for charity. The Kakis Challenge urges viewers to kiss cows with or without tongue to raise charity funds. Now, I would think that only a French cow kissing charity app would go that far. But hey, what do I know? I'm an American. We kind of find kissing cows to be a bit cheesy. Ms. Kotzinger calls the challenge dangerous mischief. And she also said, I don't understand a challenge of this kind. Neither do I, honey. I don't get it at all. Uh, Governor? Yes. Uh, just, just let me intervene here. Do you know why cows have hooves instead of feet? Can't say that I do. Because they lack toes? 
Wow. Oh, Keith. We've come to cow jokes. I've got one then. I've got oh, a cow no. joke. All no, this right. is good. This is a good one. Gub, do you know why milking stools only have three legs? I have no idea. Because the cow has the udder. Oh. Yeah. Cow jokes. It's. Boy, you guys didn't waste any time ruining this segment tonight. Hey, folks. You're welcome. I think you've heard them all this before. Uh, a lot of bull, perhaps, but you are probably experiencing a little deja vu. And wow. uh, honestly, I just think we've milked this story for all it's worth, probably. so we're going to move on. Did you know that there is a giant radio telescope called a DISH that is watching the stars at Parkes Observatory in Australia? Well, for 17 years, the telescope had been picking up mysterious frequencies, and they couldn't identify them. Was the cause lightning, space aliens, an American president? Well, when upgrading the equipment, they finally installed a new receiver that at last pinpointed the mysterious interference. It was the microwave oven in their lunchroom. <laughs> so the next time someone says, you're no rocket scientist, hey, cheer up. Those world-class astronomers and rocket scientists were constantly out noodled by a dish of leftover spaghetti. <laughs> And finally, there's a woman from Norway who has taken the phrase horsing around to an entirely new level. Isla Christine has gone viral around the globe with videos showing her running around like a horse on Twitter and Instagram. Now, Keith was really skeptical about this story, and he asked me, can she or can't or she run like a horse? But when he saw the video of Isla for himself, Keith reined in his negativity and he quit being such a naysayer. It seems uh, Ayla's unbridled enthusiasm for horses was no spur-of-the-moment decision. Governor? Yes. While I know absolutely nothing about that horsewoman's boyfriend, I'll bet he's a real stud. Uh, <laughs> Wink, I'm sure he is. Wink Martindale with us. Governor? Yes. I hope that pun didn't get past you. Oh, please. Keep this up, Wink. We're canceling your segment. I'm telling you now. Well, Ayla says she tries not to ignore the stares of people who see her trotting and jumping around. I just want you to know, if I were Ayla, I'd just tell everyone staring to get down off their high horse and find their own animal to impersonate in their leisure time. But here's what I wonder. When she dies, I wonder, will she be buried? Are made into glue. <laughs> well, if time is money, it looks like we've gone broke and out of stories. But always remember, we read the news. Before our next guest became a comedian, he worked for the U.S. Postal Service and the Department of Defense. Some folks would claim it was all working in comedy. I'd probably agree. Now, if you've not seen this talented man, you've heard him on radio shows like Rick and Bubba, John, Boy, and Billy, and Bob and Tom. Obviously, Southern shows for sure. Would you please welcome one of the funniest men of America, James Gregory. James, hey, welcome. Thanks, everybody. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, Governor. It's good to see you. My pleasure. You are known as the funniest man in America. Where did you get that title? Well, the funniest man in America is not as big a deal as you think it is. It's not. I've been doing this so long that when I started, America was just 13 states. <laughs> <laughs> you also look very energetic to be around since the time of the 13 colonies. I, I'm wondering. Well, as you can you... see, I take care of myself. Well, I want to know how do you do that? What What are your what are your keys of uh, well, success I, and secret? I eat right, you know. Yeah? I eat the same way my parents and my grandparents ate, you know. I eat white bread, <laughs> drink whole milk, you know. <laughs> I've never had a sugar-free apple pie in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the ideas that you have and some of the funniest stories you've told are about family members. Do they ever get mad at you for that? Well, some of them are deceased. They don't care. <laughs> but uh, those are my aunts and uncles. Uh -huh. But my cousins, their children are still here. So I, I just changed the name. You know. <laughs> and they think you're talking about one of the other They think I'm talking point. about the neighbor instead of them, you know. It's like, you know, we, we all love our kinfolks. And we see them, especially the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
And we want to see them, but we don't want to see them too often. You know? <laughs> I've got a cousin who every time I see him for the past two years, he's always bragging about something, you know. And he's been bragging about getting a brand new six-quart crock pot. That's something to brag about, all right. He don't have it yet because he's got it on layaway. <laughs> so, a six-quart crock pot on layaway. Uh, right, yeah. You know. That sounds like the greatest people, gift to people. People make fun of me, too. Uh, they make fun of me because I don't fly. You, you don't? I, I drove all over this country by automobile. I don't mind flying once a year just to catch up on my drinking and my praying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good I'd not to do. I'd rather be in the car, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so. You just don't like flying? Is it the, the whole experience of the people that... It's just too much trouble. Yeah? You know? It's not necessarily flying, it's the... Uh, it's the crashing and the burning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never been real fond of thinking about that. And since I fly almost five days a week, I really appreciate you bringing that up, Jim. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's really a deep encouragement to me. So yeah. Yeah. There's a story that I want you to uh, tell about. It's uh, a story you've told about how Baptist and covered dishes are always present at the death of a family member. Well, that's true. You know, I, that's why I'm glad I'm bad. Just, we just eat better. <laughs> no. You know, when we hear about somebody, I have a lot of Catholic friends. I work for other comedians, and they and I have great, great friends. But they're com they're comedians, but they're Italians and uh -huh. they're Catholic. It's a Dan McGinney, Vinnie Capola, Steve Mangola, those guys, you know. And they just don't eat. When somebody dies, they don't enjoy it as much as we do. <laughs> I know we shouldn't laugh about that. But we just did. And I, wait a minute. I'm almost, I'm almost embarrassed about this. When I was a kid, my brother and I grew up way, way out in the country. Very, very poor. Abstract of poverty is what I call uh -huh. it. And we used to actually hope somebody would die. <laughs> so we can eat. <laughs> It'd be like, uh, I smell chicken, somebody must be dead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and what would happen, when somebody dies, everybody shows up, and a lot of people are those that we don't meet on a regular basis. They're there because someone has died. Mm. But once they get there, the conversation is more about the food and who brought the food than the person who died. <laughs> and the men folk, they're outside. They're in the backyard probably, sitting around talking. Now remember, the, the only reason they're there is because, because someone has died. But here's their conversation. Have any of y'all heard her say what she's going to do with his pickup? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, she's got 13,000 miles on it. <laughs> and she can't drive it, it's a stick shift. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having that truck. <laughs> of course, I ain't gonna say nothing right now. I mean, <laughs> bless her heart. But... <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back from the cemetery. So. Well, James, we're happy to have oh, you good here. To see you Thank again. you very much, James Gregory, everybody. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Now, to find out when James Gregory is going to be performing in your town and to order his brand new comedy recording, which I think you'll like, called Crock Pots and Chicken Legs, go to funniestman.com. That's funniestman.com. Now, you can also watch more incredibly funny performances by James Gregory there at the website. Keith, I don't know how you're going to match having the funniest man in America on our show, but give it a shot. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try. Well, I've got a couple of ideas. How about Wink and Sandy Martindale? And I'll throw in a reunion of the Dukes of Hazard. all coming up on...
My next guests are very good friends of mine who are also good friends of Elvis Presley. And that makes me Elvis's good friend, <laughs> once removed. Would you please give a royal welcome to the king of TV game shows and his queen, Wink and Sandy Martindale. You know, I don't always get to say welcome back, but when we have guests that we just adore, it's such a privilege to have those guests back. And your guests that we adore, and we're so happy to have you back. Thanks for joining us Thank again. you. We enjoyed it so much last time, and everybody here is so warm and friendly, and you always have such great audiences. We do. <laughs> There's something that, you know, about people who are able to host uh, game shows. They seem to be people who love life, who are happy. These are not the miserable uh, entertainment <laughs> people. They really aren't. I mean, I, I think of, you know, the Pat Sajaks and... Uh, Chuck Woolery and, and, and so many people that they just seem to be having a good time in life. Why is it that people who host shows like that are having more fun? I think most of us, and I think I speak for Alex and Pat and all the rest of them, uh, we're people persons. Yeah. I like people. I love that, that, that 30 or 40 seconds when a new contestant comes out and you're uh, you're bound and determined to get the very best comments out of them because that's going to give, make them look good, it's going to make me look good, and it's going to give us a good show. But I just love working with people and always have. By the way, I uh, had the pleasure just recently, uh, two weeks ago, of uh, giving Alex Trebek the Daytime Emmy for Best Game Show Host. What a great thrill. He's battling a very serious illness now. Yes, so that he is. had to have been a personal joy to be able to to be there to honor him. Somebody asked me, where did you come up with the name Wink? And I said, well, Alex was already taken. <laughs> so I, I had to settle with Wink. You and our own Keith Bilbrey share an honor. Both of you are in the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. You're a Tennessee native. Yeah, I'm from Jackson, Tennessee, born and raised there. And uh, got in radio when I was 17 years old and worked my way into Memphis and then out to L.A. and. Uh, now here I am working my way up to the Huckabee Show. <laughs> I love it. So I love it. You're here. And the last time, it must be the last time I wore this suit because I looked, I said, Wink, look at the little button. It's the ten when he got the Tennessee Hall of Fame. It, it, it yeah. is the button from yeah. the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. Yes, it yeah. is. I said, well, I guess that's when I wore this. It's last a great time. honor to be a part of the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. Well, we're so proud of Keith Bilbrey because he knows everybody in the business. He's a, an amazing guy. He's our announcer, and I want our audience to join me in saying thanks to Keith. You had a miraculous, and I say miraculous because it's just a stunning uh, recording, millions of sold, uh, and it's a very powerful story called Deck of Cards. Yes. How does that come into your hands in life? Well, it's uh, interesting, uh, Governor. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to listen every night to the radio to Gene Nobles on WLAC here in Nashville. He did a program called Randy's Record Shop. Hmm. Randy was Randy Wood, who owned Randy's Record Shop down the street here in Gallatin, Tennessee. Just next door yes. to Andersonville where we are. And so I, that's where I bought my first records as a seven or eight-year-old kid. Hmm and fade to black and come up on years later, and I meet Randy Wood on my teenage dance party in Memphis. He was a guest on my show, and uh, I had made a local record. That's when we all thought that we could be the next Elvis Presley. <laughs> so a little company there in Memphis had made a record with me, a singing record, and uh, I, uh, I sang it that day on my show, and Randy liked it well enough to say, would you like to be on Dot? And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> he said, no, he bought my contract. Signed me up, and he said, I'll look for something for you to record. We won't be in a hurry. So in the summer of 1959, uh, we went into a studio and recorded this story about a soldier who used a deck of cards in church because he didn't have a Bible. Hmm. And uh, I remember thinking, gee, who's going to buy a semi-religious talking record when Mac the Knife, Stagger Lee, <laughs> and Venus were all the hits of the day? Because kids buy records. Yeah. But sure enough, they put it out. By September, it was a hit. In November, we got a call from the Ed Sullivan people to come back to New York and do it on the Ed Sullivan Show. And as they say, the rest is history. You will do it for us, won't you, Wink? I you thought you'd never it. ask. I'm asking now. So, <laughs> All right, as Wink gets ready to perform the Afghanistan deck of cards, Keith has a little more info on the king of game shows. 
You can find all Wink's records, books, memories, and more at winkmartindale.org. That's winkmartindale.org. Here's Wink Martindale with Afghanistan Deck of Cards. Memorial Day is a very special day for all of us here at home. But sadly, in places like Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, and other parts of the world, Memorial Day is just another day in a dangerous war zone. The meaning of the day is still the same, but it's impossible for our fighting men to enjoy the day as we do. Many of our troops are on their second, third, or even fourth deployment, doing their job so that we might enjoy another Memorial Day. Let's take a moment to remember their dedication, loyalty, and sacrifice through the words of a soldier who used a deck of cards in place of a Bible. It's possible these timeless thoughts and words are still relevant for this Memorial Day. A young soldier was in his bunkhouse all alone one Sunday morning in Afghanistan. It was quiet that day. The guns, the mortars, the landmines hadn't made a single noise. The soldier knew it was Sunday, the holiest day of the week. And as he was sitting there, he, he pulled out an old deck of cards and laid them across his bunk. Just then, the sergeant came in and said, Soldier, why aren't you with the rest of the men? The soldier said, Well, sir, I just thought I'd stay behind and spend some time with the Lord. The sergeant said, Looks to me like you're going to be playing some cards, boy. The soldier said, no, sir. You see, since we're not allowed to have Bibles or other spiritual books in this country, I've decided to talk to the Lord by studying this, this deck of cards. The sergeant asked in disbelief, well, how do you propose to do that, soldier? And the soldier started with this story. He said, you see, sergeant, the ace reminds me there is but one God. The two represents the two parts of the Bible, the Old and the New Testaments. The three represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The four is for the four apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When I see the five, I think of the five wise virgins. There were ten, but only five were glorified. The six is for the six days it took God to create heaven and earth. And the seven is for the day God rested from his great work. The eight is for the family of Noah and his wife, their three sons and their wives. God saved the eight people from the flood that destroyed the earth for the first time. When I see the nine, I think of the lepers Jesus cleansed of leprosy. He cleansed ten, but nine never even thanked him. The Ten represents the Ten Commandments God handed down to Moses on tablets of stone. The Jack is a reminder of Satan, one of God's first angels. But he got kicked out of heaven for his sly and wicked ways. And now he's the Joker of eternal hell. The Queen stands for the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the King stands for Jesus, King of all kings. When I count the number of spots on all the cards, there are 365, one for every day of the year. There's a total of 52 cards in a deck, one for each of the 52 weeks in a year. The four suits represent the four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Each suit has 13 cards, and there are exactly 13 weeks and a quarter. So you see, sir, when I want to talk to God and thank Him for all He's given me, I just pull out this old deck of cards and they serve to remind me of all I have to be thankful for. Well, the sergeant stood there speechless and finally with tears in his eyes and pain in his heart, he made a request. He said, soldier, would you do me a favor? May I borrow your deck of cards? <laughs> Next, Tom Wolfat, Catherine Bach, and Ben Jones are here for a Dukes of Hazard reunion right here on Huckabee.
Welcome back. 40 years ago, a smash hit show debuted on CBS that is still incredibly popular today. This summer, a giant fan festival is being held in Virginia to celebrate it. To tell us all about it, I want you to welcome the stars of the Dukes of Hazard, Tom Wopat, Katherine Bach, and Ben Jones. You guys have to be amazed that after 40 years, the people of America still love the Dukes of Hazard. It's incredible. It's well, become an iconic show. It is. Yeah. We've been blessed. I mean, when I was a kid, or actually when I was an adult, the show that I would watch, like three or four in a row, the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. And that's people would do with this show. And it's transgenerational. Well, it's timeless because it's, it's wholesome American right. stories. It's not violent. It's not profane. You don't have to run your kids out of the room. Right. It was just yeah. old-fashioned classic entertainment. Thank why you. don't we have that more today? <laughs> well, that's, that's why our show continues to be popular. Uh, for, when we first came on the air, the television critic for the Los Angeles Times said, his name was Howard Rosenberg, he knew the guy, he said, this show will not last past the first commercial. <laughs> <laughs> There's a network genius. Huh? But that was 40 years ago. Yeah. And now the show is not only beloved throughout America, and you're right, people watch it because they trust us with their family. Yeah. It is a clean show. The good guys win. Nobody gets hurt. It's great music, great action. They easy do. It's got all the stuff going for it. <laughs> you know, Daisy Catherine. Duke, enough said. Okay. <laughs> Catherine, you were the heartthrob of every young man in America when this show was on. You're still beautiful today. It's a delight to see you. Is it true that during the show, your legs were insured for a million dollars? Is that true? Yes, it's true. They told me mine were worth 50 cents uh, at there their peak. <laughs> but, you know, you have to feel good about when you go out and, and you guys are doing some events now, reviving the Dukes of Hazard magic. It's so interesting because we have great grandma and grandpa, we have grandma and grandpa, we have their kids, we have the babies, and the babies have their kids. <laughs> so we have a huge span of generations, and they, everybody comes, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to, to see that and that we connected, our show connected with uh, people that, and that's basically what an entertainer does, is they... They had a show at, at Ben's store in Luray, Virginia, two years ago called Cooter's Last Stand. Mm. We had 25,000 people. 25,000? Yeah. We expected 5,000. People Maybe. would stand up, stand in line for five, is, six hours. This, this is 40 years after we came on the air. <laughs> in 2006, here in Nashville at the... Uh, at the old fairgrounds racetrack there, the newspaper and the police said we had over two, over 100,000 people. Good. Yeah, have well. That was huge. And, and it, it just keeps going on and on. And uh, we've, there are people who own General Lee's in, in New Zealand and Italy. By the way, did you know uh, Italy is now third in watching the Dukes of Hazzard? <laughs> Italy. Uh, Italy. 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 You know, they really relate like to they southern do. life. You know, yeah. Italy. There's, a, there's southern Italy. But they, they got pretty girls and fast cars and what's not to like. Well, I mean, I think that's it. The formula of the show was simple. Yeah. It was a family. And there was, there was cars and there was action and there was, there was conflict, but it always resolved at the end of the show in a peaceful And we, uh, all, we also looked after the other people in the town. Like, even if Boss and Roscoe got in trouble, We'd help them out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, I think it was really, really a, a thing that was totally special. I love you guys. I love the show. I'm so honored We're that you to came to be with us and to share with our audience some great, great memories and nostalgia of a truly American uh, icon, the uh, Dukes of Hazard. And uh, by the way, since you're here, you got to come over and we got to do this theme song. We right? got one more big special thing for you. Okay. We <laughs> got to right. do that. Y'all got to help us sing the chorus. I want to tell our audience that the Good Old Boy Fest is August the 10th and 11th at Shenandoah Speedway in Virginia. Now, if you want tickets, you better act now. I mean, I, I think this thing will sell out, so get your tickets now. Go to goodoldboysfest.com. That's goodoldboysfest.com. They're on your screen, and I'm going to let Keith tell everybody about our, well, almost surprise, but something special is coming up in just a minute.
Well, next, the stars of Dukes of Hazard will be joined by Waylon Jennings' grandson, Way, as they sing, Good Old Boys. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. Well, tonight we celebrate the Dukes of Hazard and honor Waylon Jennings and his signature song. Please welcome Waylon's grandson, Way Jennings, along with Tom Wopat, Catherine Bach, Ben Jones, and Mike Huckabee on bass. Let's hear it for good old boys! Just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Big trouble with the law Since the day they were born Straightening the curves End up flattening the hills Someday the mountain might get them But the law never will Making their way The only way they know how And that's just a little You don't understand it keeps showing my hands and not my face on TV. That's right. One more time. Tell me back on guitar. Keep me fighting the sense of like a true modern day Robin Hood. 